You're about to learn a lot about the latest company to get into the automotive business. This is AutoLine. The market for police cars in the American market has been dominated by the Ford Crown Victoria for nearly three decades. But that era is coming to an end. Not only does the Ford Motor Company plan to phase out the old Crown Vic, there's a new upstart car company that wants to grab that business. Only this company doesn't want to be called a car company. It's calling itself a homeland security company. And the car it wants to sell to police departments would be the first ever designed specifically for police work. The CEO of the company is William Santana Lee, who I first met about a decade ago, right after he left Ford and went to work for a company called BTO or Build to Order. That company failed, but his new one called Carbon Motors looks awfully promising if you ask me. Bill Lee is approaching this market in a way no one else has. So to learn more about him, the cop car he wants to come out with and the business model he's building. Stay right where you are. We'll be back right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. I'm talking right now with Bill Lee, the CEO of Carbon Motors. Great to have you here on AutoLine Detroit. Good to be here. And we're talking about this new company that you've created, that you've started, to start building purpose-built police cars. Yes. Tell us, what gave you the idea to get into doing this, and, and tell us a little bit about the car. Sure. Uh, Carbon Motors Corporation is a bold new homeland security company. Uh, Not a on, car company. No, a homeland security company very focused on a specific mission to design, develop, uh, produce, distribute, service, and recycle the world's first purpose-built law enforcement patrol vehicle. What we've done over the last several years is work with over 800 law enforcement agencies all across the country in urban, rural, coastal environments at the state, local, and federal authorities and try to get an understanding of what they're looking for. Uh, what do you want? What do you need? And what do you desire? In, which, in terms which of no a product. No one's ever done before. No one's literally ever done this because if you sit back, you think about this, the Department of Defense actually oversees all the military operations. But the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security actually have no federal jurisdiction over the 19,000 law enforcement agencies all across this country. So the campus police is different than the airport police, different than the state, than the county, than the city. And so no one's ever sat down and said, okay, we actually need a, a proper product. Let's think about this. The fire departments have their own purpose-built vehicles. The hospitals have their own ambulances. The military has a huge fleet of purpose-built vehicles. And John, even your mailman, and here, garbage men, <laughs> uh, special purpose-built vehicles. But on a, on a serious point, it is now seven years since 9-11, and our 800,000 women and men in uniform that are patrolling our communities are doing so in a vehicle designed in the 1970s as a retail passenger car meant for Sunday drives and going to the grocery store. And that is not acceptable. These first responders that patrol our communities are no different than uh, a soldier in a theater of war. They get up every morning. They don't know if they're coming home at night. And the least we can do as a country is provide them the appropriate tools for them to do their job. So you saw a great opportunity here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But you had to start a whole car company to go out and be, or a, a Homeland Security company to go out and build this vehicle. Uh, yes, one of the things, we're, we're at a defining moment in the country's history. And we've got a wonderful opportunity to reinstate what the next 
industrial revolution is going to look like. And one place to start is look at the resources and capabilities we have already, what needs are, are, are required, what's on the nation's agenda, what is on the nation's agenda. Homeland security is still top of mind for the country, right? American jobs, we need jobs, we need more jobs, and then we need some more jobs. And the energy crisis, and Carbon Motors Corporation is addressing all three of those by developing the world's first purpose-built law enforcement patrol vehicle to support our law enforcement first responders. Second, jobs. Uh, this will create 10,000 new direct and indirect American jobs. And lastly, the energy crisis. The country's 425,000 law enforcement patrol vehicles consume over 1.5 billion gallons of fuel every single year and emit over 14 million tons of CO2. And we're going to be able to cut that by up to 40%. So we've got an opportunity here to do a lot of good create a lot of jobs at a point where the country, frankly, needs some good news. So let's talk a little bit about the car. I mean, is it based on an existing vehicle or, or what? This is all new from the ground up. One of the big things that Carbon Motors Corporation is focused on is mid-volume production. Uh, there are some Interesting. Large... Not high volume, not low volume. You're saying right. mid-volume. So there are some fabled marks that are very good at low-volume production, let's say in the 100 to 10,000 units a year, right? Very expensive cars. And then there are some companies that know how to make money in the two, three, four, five hundred thousand units a year in a huge integrated manufacturing facility with stamping facilities and the complicated body shops and these monstrous paint facilities. What is this, has escaped the auto industry, and one point that I respectfully have a disagreement on with some of the senior auto executives that continue to look for consolidation and scale when the market continues to fragment and fragment and fragment, the days of selling a few hundred thousand of anything are over. And what needs to be focused on is an ability to come up with a viable business proposition for the 10,000 to 80,000 unit range, where it's a little bit of an anomaly for the auto sector. You're not hand building the car, but you're not mass producing it. And so you need three key things for that to work. The secret sauce has to do with what platform or vehicle technologies, architecture, materials are you using, right? You cannot take a high volume product and all of a sudden just use the same unibody construction approach with the you know, $150 million uh, complex body shop, the $300 million paint facility and think that this is gonna work. But you can't go the opposite end either, right? Uh, so you need a different architecture. You need a different production process. You're gonna look more at a lighter footprint in terms of the overall manufacturing process and a lot of things that have been pioneered quite frankly in Brazil. Uh, and then you need a completely different business model. The days of putting, well, let's put $82 billion worth of inventory on 20,000 dealer lots and pray that the right customer writes by, walks by the right dealership, gets them the right product, and oh, by the way, less than 20% of the time does that actually happen? And the way we rectify the issue is 5,000 cash back, 0% financing, please buy my car because I built the wrong one and I built too many. Okay, this is not what U.S. taxpayers need to be investing in. What we need to be looking at is major issues that are concerning our country. And having those three key things, a different technology set, a different process, and a different business model where you're building to a direct order from a direct customer and distributing directly, you tie those three things together, and then a very important need on Homeland, uh, then you've got uh, a viable and lucrative proposition for our first responders and our taxpayers. Let's take our audience on a walk around of the car that you and I did earlier so that Absolutely. they get a better uh, look at it. Let, let's roll that clip right now. 
Bill, how did you determine what this car should look like? I'm talking from a pure styling standpoint. Well, first we involved over 800 law enforcement agencies all across the country, 2,500 law enforcement professionals, and we've got a little bit of guidance. But one of the first lines of defense for a law enforcement professional is the ability to have a commanding presence. And we needed to take that characteristic and embed it into the uh, vehicle. So the vehicle does have that commanding presence, no different than an officer with a, you know, buttoned up, ready to go, with his shoe shined, uh, same concept, basically. Tell me about some of the things that you've incorporated into the design. Like, what, what, what's this circle hole here? This is a nighttime vision capability, and below that you've got two automatic license plate recognition cameras. And what those will do is it will scan 1,500 license plates a minute and run that against a database of the criminal database and see if there's any fel felonies or abductions or what have you. And it adds, uh, gives the officer the opportunity to, you know, apprehend the right people. Let's look at some of the other items uh, that sure. you've got here, too. Looks like you've built a spotlight into the mirror housing here. There are over 425,000 law enforcement vehicles that patrol our country. And most of those cars are actually all of them. It's a myth that there's a police car. These are retail passenger cars that are up to $55,000 worth of equipment are added to them to turn them into uh, a vehicle that the law enforcement could attempt to use. And what we've done here is try to improve the safety of the vehicle. Uh, you've seen on some of these taxi cabs and what have you, this uh, large, metal handle uh, huge to handle. Turn the, that happens to be in the head impact zone during a crash. That's probably not a good idea. So what we've done here is integrate the LED technology uh, for these uh, white LEDs to serve as a spotlight and then give them a joystick to be able to control those and not have that head impact issue. And usually you see what they, you typically call the gumballs on the top of the car, but it looks to me like you've integrated the lights right into the top uh, of the roof. Those rails. lights can be bloody expensive. Some of these agencies are spaying up to $3,000 a car to put these lights on top of the vehicle. And what we've done here is integrate uh, 360 degree lighting across the entire uh, vehicle and what this is going to do is not only improve the aerodynamics but the the fuel economy as well as noise vibration and harshness kind of issues and reduce the overall cost. And this car in section here seems to be taller than I see most sedans. Uh, John, some of these officers are some of the biggest people I've ever met and to have a six foot nine or six foot ten officer sit in here comfortably is important but we also need to work very carefully on the proportions of the vehicle to still yield that commanding presence and not have a, an awkward proportioned car. And explain to me what you got in the rear oh, fender here, favorite. this, this NACA duct that's built in. Uh, Governor Tom Ridge, the former Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, Lee Hamilton, the former Vice Chairman of the 9-11 Commission, and Dr. Lee Brown, uh, President Clinton's uh, drug czar, all sit on our advisory board. And one of the most important things that the 9-11 Commission asked for was to make sure that this vehicle had WMD threat detection capability. So this particular vehicle will go around and actually sniff the air uh, for radiation, biological, and uh, chemical threat detection capability for the port police, for large urban areas, or high value targets. Real good. Show me some of the highlights inside the car, too. Absolutely. Bill, a very interesting seat. So it looks to me like you've scalloped these seats out. What's the purpose for that? Well, one of the things we want to do with Carbon Motors Corporation is redefine the relationship between the OEM and the Tier 1 supplier. And our friends here at Lear Corporation partnered with us to develop a 
world's first purpose-built seat for law enforcement. And you can imagine some of these officers are running around with 30 pounds worth of equipment uh, and having to sit in these cars for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. And in a seat that's meant for retail passenger use, usually that doesn't work. So what we've done here is uh, scallop these away and uh, improve so the material. with their radio, with their gun. You got it. The handcuffs, handcuffs, everything. There's room for that when they sit in the seat. Uh, additionally, we've also want this vehicle uh, to meet a 250,000 mile durability target. And so we've also included additional uh, different types of more robust materials for uh, it to be able to handle that kind of wear and tear. Uh, and also comfort's very important. Uh, you can imagine 110 degrees out in Texas and you know at a stop, uh, this actually uh, incorporates uh, some of the technology from Lear. It has an air scarf that'll blow cold or hot air so down your neck. So a vent in the headrest that blows cool you or got hot it. air absolutely, on Absolutely, absolutely. And what I love too on the instrument panel of this car is how well integrated everything is. Well, you think about a, a jet fighter or a helicopter, you've got the human machine interface, you're in a high stress situation, lots of data flow, and we literally laid this out as a cockpit. Uh, so what you have there is, get around a little bit, this is the largest iPhone you've ever seen in your life. This is a 15 inch touchscreen that controls uh, the entire vehicle. It's our proprietary uh, Orca system. It's onboard rapid command architecture that controls all the law enforcement equipment uh, in the vehicle with redundant manual controls and redundant voice activation. And yet, I see it looks to me like you've got cup holders in this car We've got as well. heated and cooled cup holders. And what's the thinking behind that? Well, again, they're sitting in, this is their office. They're sitting in there for 8 to 10, 12 hours a day. I think you might want to make sure these first responders are alert. <laughs> Great point. Billy, thanks so much for giving me the highlights of this car. Good to be here. Thank you very much. Back in the studio again. Bill, before we did the walk around or went to that piece, you started to talk about how you've got a unique platform. Uh, this is a space frame that's completely new. It's not based on any other vehicle. Right. One of the important things, one of the wonderful things about a unibody or steel construction in high volume is the piece cost is very low, but you've got a sizable fixed cost investment. You know, you're in the billions all the of dollars. Dies and everything yeah, stamping that you've got. And all, so. You can't do that in these kinds of volumes. So what we've uh, developed is a, a lower volume capable space frame architecture that is has a lot of extrusions. Uh, it's aluminum, and uh, so low tooling cost. Low tooling cost, high high uh, high variable, low low fixed, and clad that uh, similar to. I mean, you've been a lot around a lot of cars. You've seen a NASCAR naked. That all the panels. Those panels aren't actual structural. Uh, so what the vehicle's clad in is an engineered thermoplastic uh, panel that uh, not only will give them the dent resistance, you might imagine these vehicles get beat up a little bit, uh, but also uh, reduces the overall uh, investment as well as eliminates the need for painting the car. Explain that. Explain why this car does not need to be painted. Okay, you probably would never do this for, you might, for a retail passenger car. But this particular product is a tool for these first responders. And there's technology in the marketplace today that where you might take a fascia or the backhand of a, of, a, of a mirror and you might shoot that plastic part and put a thin film in the mold first with the actual color and it shoot the part and it comes out colored, right? Uh, we're gonna do basically the entire vehicle that way. And that way we can not only uh, give them any color they want, as you might imagine, not everyone's uh, have black and white cop cars. Uh, so okay, give them any color they want, be able to put all the decals on there, but also reduce their service uh, expenditures and time and, and what they like to focus on is vehicle uptime, getting that vehicle out on the road and not sitting in the body shop somewhere. And so be able to remove and replace a thermoplastic panel 
of that eye, so all the decals and everything in less than 20 minutes as opposed to, uh, it's actually more uh, analogous to a, a windshield repair uh, than it is a old, you know, big structural component that we need to uh, address. So very different set of technologies. If you're a legacy uh, industrial player with uh, a labor agreement, perhaps a few hundred million dollars put in a paint facility and needing to leverage those assets, it becomes a difficult conversation to move to that kind of technology. But this is one of, one of the wonderful things about starting with a clean sheet of paper and looking at things anew. Talk about some of the specifications of the car. How big, how heavy, how fast, how, what, what kind of fuel economy? John, these are some of the largest people I've ever met in my life. The and people who drive these, the, the police officers. The police yeah. officers, and so we need to comfortably sit a 6'9", 6'10", officer with actually a hat on in some cases in the vehicle. So the, the car's a little uh, different proportions. Um, it has, you know, the purpose-built seat and all the technologies you would find in a almost a military application. We've got nighttime vision capability. Uh, we've got WMD threat detection uh, capability for radiation, uh, uh, chemical and biological weapons. And uh, it, it, although it has an engine and it has four wheels, that's about the extent of it. This is very much more a, a homeland security uh, defense kind of product. Uh, very specialized with the targeted customer. Talk about the engine. What, what kind of performance are we talking about from the engine? Well, like we like to do everything at Carbon Motors Corporation is actually start with the customer. And what has the customer been experiencing? Uh, one has been difficulties with um, the thermal impact feature of some vehicles that when you're in a 75 mile an hour rear impact uh, collision, which happens unfortunately with a lot of these uh, vehicles, trying to avoid an actual explosion is important. You're talking about the gas tank blowing up if it gets rear-ended, which right, as right. we all know, so, you don't want to say it, but it's the Crown Vic has had a problem with that, or an issue, I should say. So having an ability to meet 75 mile an hour rear impact uh, without a thermal impact feature is important. Um, we also think about how often they idle. What is the drive characteristics for this customer? Idle, 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 wide open throttle, wide open throttle, idle, 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 right. Most people don't drive that way. Mm -hmm. Well, diesels are rather efficient. So it's a diesel engine. Right. So clean diesel technology is probably um, the short to medium term solution for some applications in this country. Uh, and if you look at the safety aspects associated with diesel, right, you look at their driving characteristics in terms of idling and then also needing a ton of torque. We've got a 300 horsepower uh, clean diesel engine with 425 foot-pounds of torque. And, and what's the weight of the car? 4,000 pounds. So, so 420 foot-pounds, 4,000 pounds. That, that's a pretty... 60, six, less than six and a half seconds, so the top speed governed at 155 miles an hour. And, but, as important, a 40% plus fuel economy improvement. And if the nation's burning through a billion and a half gallons of gasoline, that actually is In material. cars, right. Yes, right. is, is uh, very important. What would this car cost? Uh, the nation is spending anywhere from $30,000 up to $100,000 plus on law enforcement vehicles. You know, the the, the car itself isn't that expensive. I'm sure it's all the 25 stuff. odd grand. You know, that automotive portion is actually a very, very small part of the equation. It's a lot of um, laptops that they install, the lights, the sirens, the gun mount racks, you name it. Um, on average, they're in the $50,000, $55,000 range, and we're looking to, uh, and we've committed to the country, to the sheriffs and the chiefs, that this is going to reduce, reduce their total life cycle costs. So if you weigh in the fuel economy improvement, 
the routine maintenance and service improvement, including oil changes. You mm -hmm. know, this particular vehicle doesn't need to get its oil changed, you know, every 3,000 miles. It's more like every 10 or 12,000 miles. Uh, the car is designed for 250,000 mile durability, which is about twice as much as what you would do for a retail passenger car. It's almost a semi-military specification. Uh, if you were to take, um, let's say, a fleet size of about 120 vehicles, uh, over a period of you know, 10 to 12 years, we would sa save them several million dollars so you're on saying an annual budget. The, the car costs fifty to 55000 did I get that? We'll right? announce the pricing uh, fourth quarter of, okay. of this year. Okay. Uh, but if you're looking at the average of what they're spending today, it's, it's in the fifty to $55,000 range. Uh, all in plus all the costs that associated. But you're saying with. if you look at uh, the life cycle cost, including right. everything else, so you're going to cut One costs. particular Legacy's uh, automaker's vehicle was never put through the braking t uh, requirements that they have. So you look at, you pull one of the city's maintenance records and look at their brake failures. And so, okay, we can talk about the piece cost of the original product, but why is it that you've got in one city's case, $24,000 per vehicle per annum on routine maintenance and repairs. Okay, now if you design a product that is intended for this kind of abuse and usage and profile, right, and can withstand all that, the likelihood that you're gonna get a $24,000 bill where you could probably just bought a new vehicle at that point is unlikely. So the idea is to reduce some taxpayer burden, the nation needs some relief here, Right? But at the same time, we need to give our first responders the appropriate equipment for them to patrol our homeland. But you still have to meet all the regulations for a CAFE, for uh, federal motor vehicle safety, we will emissions. Meet all, right, we will meet all the FMVSS uh, requirements, uh, the emissions and the like. Um, additionally, we have other requirements like the 75 mile an hour rear crash capability. Well, that's not written anywhere, but we know that the, that's a customer requirement and will meet or exceed all federal uh, regulations. And when are wh when will I see police cars like this in your rear view mirror? In my hopefully not. <laughs> my right. Hopefully not seated in back one of these, right? That's right. Um, uh, we're starting. Uh, we're targeting calendar year 2012 uh, for starter production. 2012. What's been the reaction to police departments that you show the car to? <laughs> Over overwhelming. Uh, we took it. Uh, one of the 10 city uh, stops that we went to was San Diego. Uh, it was the International Association of Chiefs of Police Convention. This is 17,000 law enforcement professionals from all over the country and you could hear a pin drop in the rest of the uh, convention center uh, with 10 deep uh, three days of just being mobbed by the press and law enforcement and grown men standing there with a tear in their eye not knowing what to say because the 2,500 plus law enforcement professionals that helped us design this vehicle, their fingerprints are all over this car. I mean, they own this company, they own this product, they own... In the sense that they helped exactly. give you input to design. Exactly. And so being that fluent, it's almost like giving a gift to a, a, a loved one. You know them so well, you're so fluent that when they open that gift, they probably never thought of that. And they open it and they go, how did you know? How did you know? And that is the reaction that we've gotten from law enforcement officials all over the country. We've got now probably over a thousand agencies that have expressed an interest in purchasing the vehicle. We're easily sold out the first year. Bill Lee, CEO, Carbon Motors. What a fascinating story. Thanks for, so much for coming on to AutoLine. Appreciate and, you having and us. And talking all about this effort. Thank you very much indeed. This coming Tuesday, GM and Chrysler will have to present their viability plans to the U.S. Treasury. 
Will it be enough to convince the government to give them more money? To get to the bottom of it all, I'll be hosting a live webcast on Thursday, February 19th at noon. I'll be joined by Tom Walsh, business editor of the Detroit Free Press, John Stoll from the Wall Street Journal, and Jim Hall from 2953 Analytics. We'll include a live chat to get your comments and questions, so join us at www.autolinedetroit.tv Thursday at noon. And for all of us here at Autoline Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.